0: is don't do so many push-ups and sit-ups early in the morning and then you'll be more focused for the rest of the day. So that was very helpful. I like that. Um, Today we're going to talk about living on purpose, intentionally, with meaning, with direction. And you know, when you're a kid, it's just about playing. You know, it's just what? What playing can I accomplish today? What fun can I have? And then then you start growing up and you have more responsibilities and you start asking those deeper questions like, why am I here? What am I here for? What do I want to accomplish? What is it all about? What matters most? And it's the answer that you come up with that's going to determine your decision making. And as you age, you know, you have... Other people that have opinions on what your purpose ought to be. And then as you grow, then you realize, I, you know, what's gonna matter is what I decide for myself. So I better make a good choice. And, you know, so we start wrestling with this question. Well, who, who decides? Who gets to define my purpose? You know, certainly our, our workplace, our boss or the owner of the company will tell you that your purpose needs to be a great employee to make my company as successful as possible. If you're married, if you have children, your spouse or your kids are going to say that, hey, your purpose needs to be, you got to be a good dad, you got to be a good mom, you got to be a good wife, you got to be a good husband, you got to be a good child or a good grandpa in December That's right I'm I'm fired up but I'm going to have to wait almost another whole month to find out if it's a baby boy or girl so I'll be patient a little longer But you know so you, there's expectations and you can start feeling distracted and pulling all these different directions as well, there's, there's all these things that I want to accomplish, but so who gets to define for me what my purpose is going to be? And sometimes you, uh, you, you feel like the kicker in this picture. This is, uh, Carolina Panthers, Graham, you know, and he's trying to practice to warm up, but the band has other plans. And uh, there's actually video and he gets mad and starts pushing band members out of the way so he can kick. So it gets, you know, he gets a little riled up here. You know, Carolina Panthers. That would never happen with the Cowboys. We would be way more respectful of the band. I just want you to know that. This is just this Carolina Panthers. But, you know, sometimes that's how you feel, right? Well, I, I got my plans and I think I got my direction, but. The the band is in the middle of my plan. And I'm running into all these roadblocks. I feel like a salmon swimming upstream. It's like it's just, you know, I got all these resistance. And, you know, I'm doing my thing. And then you got this whole, you know, situation in front of me that's conflictive. And I'm not really sure what to do here. And this is kind of irritating. And I can't figure out what's going on. You know, sometimes... It can be like this. I remember uh, my wife teaching our sons how to do laundry for that moment when they went off to college. First of all, the hope that when they went off to college, they would actually do their laundry. And then if you were going to do your laundry, uh, to do it correctly. And I remember our oldest son, he was very enterprising because, you know, living in the dorms, uh, you had a laundry card. And his roommate said, Michael, if you do my laundry and yours, you can use my laundry card. So I'll pay for everything as long as you do the laundry. So that's great. You know, but but you ever read the garment instructions? And sometimes you read them and you're not totally sure. And so, you know, I thought this picture is appropriate. There's all these symbols. And then it just says, or give it to your mother. She knows how to do it. But sometimes we feel that way in life. It's like, okay, you know, it's like I'm trying to make decisions. I got to have plans. I got all these opinions. I got these feelings stirring on the inside and, you know, and and then the instruction just says, you know, just go ask your mom. Just hand the towel to your mom. She knows how to do laundry. You know, the fact is when it comes to life's most important question, You can't give it to your mom to decide. It's a question that every single one of us must answer. You say, well, who decides? Well, the maker of the towels came up with a specific plan of how to successfully wash the towels. The creator of the universe... The author and perfecter of life. The one that knit you together in your mother's womb. Cell by cell. Strand of DNA by strand of DNA. Amazingly complex. That God. He said, oh, I'll help you out. Most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. You say, what matters most? Well, God defined it. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. To whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God just summed up everything that matters right there. You go, yeah, but if I'm married, being a good husband is really important. Yes, it is. And I need to do a good job at my work. You do. And I need to do well in the classes I take. Yeah, you do. But there's a difference between being a good employee or a good husband or a good spouse or a good student and making that your reason for living. And God said what matters most is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's what matters most. Like, can you imagine reading this? For God so loved the world that he gave you a good brain so you could be a straight-A student. You go, I'm surprised that's in the Bible. Yeah, me too, because it's not in there. Because that's not what matters most. It is not for God so loved the world that he is working hard to make you an amazing employee so you get lots of promotions. That's also not in the Bible. Now, God has his expectations in those areas. But God defined before the universe was made what would matter most and how life has its meaning within that context. So, You know, you see, oh, that's awesome. Jesus died on the cross for everybody. So if we have faith, if we turn to him, that's amazing. We can all be saved. Well, it's not quite that general. There's a few more details that go into it. And turn over to Romans chapter 10. Oh, back up. I have it on the same slide. Romans chapter 10. And Paul is talking to the church in Rome and, the Book of Romans is just a really amazing study about salvation by faith in Jesus Christ versus the Old Testament law and trying to work hard enough and be good enough to be saved. And he's just saying, you know what, salvation by faith is amazing. And he gets into the practical section of his book uh, at the end of Romans, and in, in verse 10, or chapter 10, starting in verse 13, he says For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, Paul kind of expands more on John three sixteen. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him. He says, that's awesome. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But he goes, yeah, but everybody needs to respond if they're going to be saved. They got to call on the name of the Lord. But he says, so how's that going to happen? Are they just supposed to live life kind of observe, hear a few details, and therefore they can get enough faith so they believe and they're fine. He says, no, there's a whole other step in the process. He says, how can they believe without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Paul says, there is a human element to the gospel message of salvation to the entire world says, God has included us in the process. Now, that's humbling to think that we are responsible. Responsible for what? Salvation. God has included you and I in his divine purpose. You say, who gets to define our purpose? Well the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who created us. You know, I had a really great meal at friend's house and I laughed because, uh, you know, they asked their, their daughter to do something and she goes, can I do it later? And I, I have a little point for that. And I just started laughing because I remember those days. You know, the parents didn't ask... You know, that eventually, somehow, over the course of time, it would get done. You know, as parents, you ask because you you want that purpose to be accomplished on the spot, right? It's kind of like, you know, another one is if you ask one of your kids, hey, can you go upstairs and tell your brother dinner's ready? And they stand right there and they go, hey, dinner's ready! Like, wow, thanks. I couldn't have done that. Good thing you came through for me. You saved my voice. Like, that's not exactly what I had in mind. You know, sometimes in this battle to figure out what's my choice going to be, my purpose, we, we do this. We go, well, I have a different plan. You know... That's a really great plan. Thank you, Ron, for revealing that that's God's plan of salvation for the world. He sent His Son. He's bringing us on board in the process. Man, that's really awesome, but not for me. I got a different plan. And let me tell you what you're in for when you choose a different plan and purpose than what God has for you. You become the hammer. Trying to pound the bolt. You know, it doesn't work. Because that's not the way that, that you get the bolt in. You use a wrench. And you turn it around. But you're like, no, I got a different plan. I got a good hammer and I'm just going to bang harder. You ever feel like, man, I'm trying so hard in life. And, you know, sometimes we're succeeding in different ways. And we go, but I feel so empty. You say, why is that? Well, maybe it's because you're trying to accomplish a different plan than the one that the author of your life designed you for. And as hard as you try and as much effort as you put into it, it keeps not working and you just feel frustrated. You're like, you know, I'm pointing to this, I'm pointing to that, but I'm still not fulfilled. What's going on? You know, sometimes... And I'll, I'll save the picture for, you know, the little build up here. But, you know, we think, well, what if I kind of get my version of God's plan? You know, so I get God's plan. But that's really all encompassing, you know, Jesus, Lord and everything. And that's just is really dominating of my lifestyle. And so I kind of want to adapt his plan. And I would like to fit his plan into my life. And, you know, so that, like, I sort of have his plan. I just have my revision of his plan. And so it's pretty close. It's not exactly the plan, but it's pretty close. And so, you know, we ask this question, is it close enough? Now, this is a professional baseball team. It's kind of a middle-tiered team, the Washington Nationals. And they have somebody in charge of their uniforms. And that's their job. And so, you know, one of the requirements of the person that is in charge of the uniforms is to place the letters correctly on the uniforms. And after all... You know, your job is represented. You're going to send that team out there on the baseball diamond and their uniforms look nice and they look amazing and so you really want to do a good job. But, you know, every once in a while, putting on that O could just be really kind of a burden. You know, or maybe he forgot to order O's. And, you know, and so you're just like, You know, I got all the other letters, but I'm missing O's. Oh, well. You know, you just got to wonder, like, what's going on in the mind of this person whose one job is to send them out with these professional uniforms? And you send an entire baseball team out, not the Nationals, but the Natinals. You know, and you look at that uniform and you're like, what's going on? You know, if you, there's a lot of great images out there. You know, you put in misspelled jersey names. There is one for the college football team, Navy, and they, and they spelled it on the jersey, N-A-Y-V. You had four letters to get right. I don't know if he thought he was being cool. Like, nay, V. The. <laughs> but there, I mean, there's a lot of great ones out there, but you look at this and you go, I'm a skilled professional. You know, and that's how some of us live our life. We are highly skilled professionals. And God's looking... At our life, going, you didn't even spell your name right. They're like, yeah, but it's still a pretty good plan, isn't it? Close enough? No, if it's not God's plan, it looks like this. It's incomplete. Close enough is not God's plan. God's plan is God's plan. You know, sometimes we we do this. I'll do it later. Yeah, I know that tire is unsafe, but I don't got time to get it fixed. Nothing like a good roll of duct tape. I'll fix it later. This will be fine. You know, some of us, that's where we're at right now. We've heard sermons. Maybe we're even studying the Bible. And we see what God's expectations are for your life. And our lives put together with a bunch of duct tape. Of course, we tell everyone it's great, right? But you know what we're thinking? I'll deal with that when I get older. I'm young now. I'm having fun. Yeah, yeah, I know it's dangerous to live that way. But I put extra layers of duct tape on my life. And you know what we always feel? My patch job will be fine. You ever think about what our patch jobs, the trouble that they've gotten us into in life? And we can either live correctly according to God's plan. Or we can say, well, one more layer of duct tape ought to do it. You see, the question is, are you living on purpose for God's purpose? Or do one of these other pictures tell the story for you? You know, wherever you're at in your journey, you can can always relate to Scripture. Now, sometimes we think the Bible is outdated, it's 2,000 years old, or... You know, and older and, you know, we're so advanced now. We don't, you know, I don't know if we can relate. Listen, the Bible is written to humans and the human heart has not changed since Adam and Eve. And so whether we have smartphones and they didn't. It applies equally to the human heart. And we see Jesus in Mark chapter one. And Jesus comes to the rescue. In Mark chapter 1, in verse 16, it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, uh, brother John in the boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus came to the rescue. You know what's interesting? Of Simon and his brother, and James and John, they didn't think they needed any rescuing. They were fine. They were busy. They were doing what fishermen do. They were fishing. They were productive. The fact that they were, you know, in the fishing business means that their fishing business hadn't gone bankrupt, so it was successful. They were doing what they needed to do. You know, that's the way God works. God doesn't wait until we come to a full realization of our need before he brings an invitation. You know, every parent knows those moments when a young child break something and then tries to fix it. And, of course, the parent realizes right away uh, this needs fixing. And so what's a loving parent do? Here, let me help you. And that young child, no, I'll do it by myself. You see, God, God looks at our life. And he goes, you need some fixing. You need some reordering. You need some refocusing. You're living for the wrong purpose. You're going to end up empty and frustrated every time. That's not why I made you. I made you to get the gospel message in your life and in other people's lives. And that's what matters most. That's what you need to live for. You can do other things, but that's your reason And Jesus said two things. He says, come follow me. Jesus did not say, I'll give you a few bullet points and you can study them on your own time and incorporate what you feel is necessary. He said, no, come follow me. If we're going to live God's purpose, the only way we're going to do it is by following Jesus. Hebrews says that he's the exact representation of his being. Like, you want to know what God's like? You want to know what God's heart is like? He says, look to the sun." He says, we must follow him. We can't follow ourselves and add a little Jesus. He says, come follow me. They left their nets at once. James and John left their father with the hired men in the boat and went and followed Jesus. He said, come follow me. i got a question. Have you made the decision to follow Jesus, to live your life the way Jesus would live your life? If he was with you 24 hours a day, would he go... Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You've got my purpose on straight. What matters most to me matters most to you. You speak like I do. You think like I do. You pray like I do. You live like I do. See, that's what it means to follow Jesus. It's a 24-hour day, -day seven-day-a-week commitment. It's not Sunday morning church attendance. That's awesome. That's part of following Jesus. That certainly doesn't encompass following Jesus. It changes our entire life. And he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, I love how Jesus defines the parameters of life. Notice what he doesn't say. Come follow me and I suggest that you incorporate some fishing for men into your life. He says, no, I will make you fishers of men. He said, I will get in your life and I will redefine it. And I will mix it up. Remember, he made us. And so we can continue trying to be that hammer pounding the bolt into the wood, but it doesn't work that way. It just ends empty and frustrated every time. Where's God directing us? Back to the purpose that he defined us for. You know, I love these pictures right here. This is us sometimes. You know, we're like, um, now what? You know, I love the picture on the right. You know, I think he's looking down asking his helper. Um, I need the 916th wrench. Just throw it up to me. Yeah, you know, and then the picture on the left, the guy standing at the top with a ladder, and then the it's like, well, the ladder's not long enough. Let's get a longer ladder. Like I always wonder, like, what was the conversation that led to this picture? Our ladder's too short. What are we gonna do? Well, okay, I got an idea. Why don't you stand on top and then I'll climb on top of you, and then that way I'll be able to reach the top of the window. You know, I wonder, did, did he stand on top of him, and then together they took the ladder up? Like, I don't know, maybe you don't think of these things, but I, I was trying to figure out, like, what happened before this picture was taken? You see, you know who these people were? This, this was James and John. This was Simon and Andrew. It's you and me living our life. And Jesus says, Hey, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And we're like, No way, I'm busy with my career. And Jesus' is like, Do you like see where you're standing? <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I got this. I've done this lots of time. It's totally safe. You know, sometimes we're standing on other people. So we can reach higher. We're standing on our spouse, we're standing on our kids, we're standing on our roommates, coworkers. You know why? Because I, I gotta I gotta reach higher. Yeah, you know, the guy underneath is like, hey, can you hurry up? My shoulders are hurting. But you know when we get to that point where we're standing on other people. It doesn't matter if they're in pain. You know why? Because we're accomplishing our purpose. And Jesus is like, listen, that's going to be a picture on Google Images that gets shown in a sermon. (laughs) And we think about our life and some of just the crazy stuff that we do. And Jesus comes to us and he goes, come here. Come follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. You're like, but I, I'm busy. I'm doing an important work. She's like, come follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. So here's the question. What do you need to change? You know, for James and John, for Simon and Andrew, they had to let down their nets. You know, no one can serve two masters. If you're going to serve Jesus, if you're going to seek first the kingdom, there's other things you can do, but they cannot be number one. They can only be number one. What do you got to stop doing? You know, sometimes we can get overwhelmed because we sit through a sermon and we go, Jesus wants me to come follow him and make you fishers of men. You obviously don't see my schedule. This is impractical. You know, sometimes it is. So you just got to stop doing other things that you thought were really important. So that you can do what Jesus says is important. It will never be convenient. You will never not be busy. In your spiritual life, if busyness will stop you from following Jesus, guess what Satan will make sure that you always are? Busy. Life's always busy. There's just things you've got to stop doing so you can follow Jesus. What else do you need to start doing? If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to make you a fisher of men, there's action involved. There's commitments involved. There's time involved. There's relationships involved. If you're studying the Bible, then you need to make time for those studies. If there's things you need to work on, make time in your schedule for those things. So the question is, what do you stop doing? And what do you start doing? I want to close over in Luke chapter 9. And this is a question Jesus asked after he said, man, we got to deny ourselves." And he just reasons logically with us when he's talking about our purpose and his purpose. And he says in verse 24, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Let's substitute a few words. Whoever lives according to my purpose will be fulfilled. Whoever lives according to their purpose will be empty. You see, we all have a choice to make of whose purpose we're going to live by. Remember the title? Living on purpose. You're not going to haphazardly fall into God's purpose. You will only see what it is, understand from his word what it is, and actively make a decision to pursue God's purpose. It will never meld in to your purpose. It's two different things. So what decision are you going to make? You know the final thing? Get moving now. Simon and Andrew left their nets at once. James and John, they left their father in the hired with the hired men in the boat. They didn't say, wow, this is really awesome, and next month I'm going to do it. No, Jesus' call to purposeful living was an on-the-spot decision. The best time to make a change is now. Not tomorrow, not Monday morning, now. You know, the fact of the matter is, you will have made your decision by the time you walk out of those doors. You will either say, you're right I'm going to pursue God's purpose. I want help to do it. I need help understanding the scriptures. Can we sit down with somebody? Can we go after this? Or you'll, like nobody will say, sorry, I reject God's purpose. No, it'll be more sophisticated. It'll be, I'm going to really pray about it, and I'll text you this week. No, get moving now. The decision's yours. You know, when you're focused on a purpose, you won't let anything distract you. And I wanted to close with a good example of this. This is my wife. Oh, yeah. Uh, We just had vacation up in Oregon, and she competed in the USA National Championships for duathlon, which is run, bike, run. And she was impressive. She was beautiful and impressive. And this is a picture of her on the bike. And, man, she's tucked and she is just... yeah. I mean, she is just going. And in the run, she's just going. And it's like, you know why? Because there was a finish line to get to. There's all kinds of other action going on. You know what she was doing? She she was running and biking... On purpose. You know, I did not see any competitors out there on a tricycle with streamers, (laughs) kind of doing donuts. You know, it was amazing. They were all doing the same thing. They were all running in a straight line as fast as they can. And they were all cycling, you know, uphills, downhills in a straight line as fast as they can. You know why? Why? Because what they were doing was on purpose. Same thing's true for you and I, spiritually. we got to do it on purpose. You know, there were not any people watching that would mistake what was going on. Nobody came up and said, what are they doing? Anyone that walked up would go, oh, they're racing." They may not know where they're racing, how far they're racing, but it was very clear. Does your neighbor look at your life and go, man, it is very clear what your purpose is. I can see it. I can see it from a mile away because I see the intention. I see the passion. I see the movement. Or somebody was called to evaluate our life, do they go, Yeah, I don't really know what their purpose is. They're busy. And so the question is, what direction are you going to move? God defined our purpose. You must choose. You have an option. But what matters most is that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Let's live our life. To accomplish that in our own life, but then to take that gospel truth to the world around us. Amen. Let's stand as we close in a final song.